Ladies, I invite you to grab a, a copy of the Scriptures, your Bible, if you will, open with me to John chapter 7. If you need uh, a copy of the Scripture, we'd love for you to join us in looking in John chapter 7. They are there in front of you in the back of the pew. We'd love for you to uh, follow along as we delve in. We'll be in John chapter 7 to begin with uh, this morning, and uh, glad that you have joined us. We're looking forward to the entire day, both this morning, this evening. We'll get into our last installment, and, and we have personal responsibility, Christian character, and so we're looking forward to that, and uh, hope you'll be able to join us for that. This morning, title of the message is simply this, We've Never Seen Anyone Like Him Before. And uh, I had started to write out the title, and I, I had put in there, We Ain't Seen No One Like Him Before, but then I thought I might get some complaints from, from some English teachers, and so I thought, no, I better not encourage that. So uh, we haven't seen anyone uh, like him before. That's the title of the message. Now listen, as many of us are looking at today and, and what's going on in the world, in our time in our era. I, I've heard it so many times in the last few months. I, I never would have thought I would have seen this. I, I never would have thought we would have progressed so quickly. And, and so it is, as the world around us uh, propels itself to more godlessness, more wickedness, and so forth, those who have a decent knowledge of God's Word and of end times have looked more and more with anticipation, and I would say excitement, to the end times that are coming. Uh, to when all this draws to a close. And yet, long before any of us came here on this earth, there were Christians on this continent around the world that faced revolutions, that faced uh, famines and great epidemics or pandemics, however you want to describe it. And they, they faced world wars. And during those times, you know what they thought? Ah, the end times are right here. These things are going to have, boy, this is it. And, and the, their minds started looking ahead, and really uh, they were looking for the advent of the promised last days described in Scripture. So I think it's appropriate during every age, during every time, and I certainly am one who believes that we are certainly drawing close to it. It is imperative for us to think about that and all that's going on. One of the most intriguing figures about the end times, as described in Revelation, even Daniel, uh, one of the most intriguing people, characters, I think is a better description, that we find is the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Now, he is going to, he's going to be large on the, the, the landscape of the end times, and we'll see that. In fact, I'd like to do a whole message about the Antichrist, what he is, the spirit of Antichrist, and things like that. But notice this statement. His name is the Antichrist, and I would simply pay, say this, what his name says he is. Antichrist. He is the antithesis of Christ. And it's kind of interesting because he isn't actually anything like Christ. He's really nothing like Christ. But you know when he comes on this earth, he's going to act a lot like Christ. He's going to try to deceive people. Hence the name. He's the Antichrist, but he's trying to act like Christ. He's trying to push himself off as, as what Christ is and what only Christ can do. We learn from the biblical descriptions that he will be a man that garners the attention of the world. Everybody's attention and focus will be drawn towards this man. In fact, as their title says, there will be the, the feeling that we've not seen anyone like him before. There's, there's no one that's graced this earth like him before will be kind of the attitude. He will no doubt become popular among many nations, the people of the world. And uh, in doing so, um, the Bible tells us he'll be able to unite 
people. Maybe like no one else has ever done that. It's interesting. We, we think of the, the Antichrist. If you'll study the church and so forth, there are people down through the ages who thought Adolf Hitler was. Uh, several popes were. And going back even to Paul's time, there are some who, uh, church historians who thought different guys, emperors, uh, were the Antichrist. Recently, you, I'm sure you can search the internet. Obama was the Antichrist. Uh, Vladimir Putin was the Antichrist. Some would say Trump's the Antichrist. And uh, so everybody has their speculation, right? And so yet the Bible describes what he will be like and what he'll do. In Revelation, the Bible says, now notice this, it'll be given unto him a mouth speaking great things in blasphemy. In fact, it goes on to say that he'll blasphemy God, he'll blasphemy the temple of Israel, he'll wage war against those who uh, are saved and uh, written in the Lamb's book of life. He'll, he'll do those things. And in an even more eerie and alarming statement, John goes on to tell us that the power that he'll have, he'll have power over all kindreds and tongues and nations, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Now, that's a strong statement, a strong description of, of nobody that we've had that before. I, I think of just a minutely. Uh, there's certainly been politicians that people, you could say, worship. There have there, been pop stars, as they might be described, an athlete, a movie star that people worship in a sense. And I think of times where we see the announcement of the Pope coming to America, and people lying the streets, and it's almost a worshipful attitude that ought not to be there. And yet, that will not even touch what we see probably transpires around the world for this character known as the Antichrist. There's no doubt that when this man, this beast comes, he will capture the attention of people everywhere. Especially when he brokers peace between seemingly endless enemies and uh, there's an occasion where he will receive a fatal wound and it will appear that he is able to heal himself. And so yeah, any doubters in people's mind, that'll convince them and so forth and, and so on. Understand, he'll be a person that is dynamic. He'll be a person that uh, is electrifying. He'll be intriguing, powerful. He'll, in many ways, demand obedience and allegiance as one is that is that uh, as is in authority. He'll be able to seemingly touch the hearts of people through his words, his powers of persuasion. We've just read he'll be able to speak great things, as Revelation puts it. He will appeal to people. Uh, he will uh, see some declare him as the deliverer and the savior. Don't miss it. That the world needs at such a time as this. You know, it's been funny to watch through this pandemic. People will look to certain politicians, even a doctor, and say, oh, that's the person we need in charge for such a time as this. They'll look and say, oh, we need a leader like that for going through this situation. My, I say, friend, I sure do think it's setting it up well for the Antichrist to come. Uh, because they'll look at him. He's the Savior. He's the Deliverer, man. He knows how we have to handle this situation and this problem, this issue, and so forth. And however you want to describe it. In fact, the, the Bible seems to be pretty clear. And even that statement we just read, there will be those who dis, uh, determine and decide that he is the greatest man to ever walk on this earth. And no doubt, many will say, we've never seen anyone like him before. He's special. He's unique. He is a great man. And the Bible says what? And they will worship him. The world is going to take note of his arrival here on earth. 
whether it's later in life that he is revealed or whatever the case may be, the, the world's going to take note of it and, and they'll note him as someone so different than anyone else in their minds. In future time and future sermons, we'll talk a little bit more about the Antichrist. But I want to remind you this morning, now listen carefully. I want to remind you this morning that not too long ago, there was one who came to earth and created much the same press releases. You say, Pastor Henry, who was that? Well, my friend, the one and only true Jesus Christ came to earth. The one and only true Jesus Christ. And when he did, and he's already come, friend, he left his mark on this world like no other could. The Antichrist will do his best. And we read of him and we think, wow, he is going to be something else. For the world to take note in that vastness of him and, and just understanding who he is and falling in line behind his leadership and worshiping him around the world. And he must be something, we think. Well, the fact is this. Jesus Christ came a long time ago and he did the same and much more than the Antichrist will ever do. And there was a time when Jesus Christ came to earth and the world took note of Jesus Christ. The world at that time said in their minds, this man's not like anything we've ever seen before. You see, even the things we read this morning, and we'll see from scriptures, they overshadow what will be said of the Antichrist. John gives us a great perspective in this passage, John chapter 7. Look at verse 46. Let's just see kind of a, a theme of the chapter, if we might. Notice verse 46. This is what he does in recalling the situation that occurred. John chapter 7, verse 36. The officers answered, we'll, we'll speak of context in a moment, but the officers answered, speaking of Christ, never man spake like this man. Never man spake like this man. You see what they're saying? Literally, here's what they're saying. We have never seen anyone like this. The world has never heard anyone speak like this guy. I mean, these are people who are not followers. These are not people who, who grew up reading about the promise of the Messiah. These are, uh, these are those who come, officers, soldiers, who come and say, wait a minute, we've never, there has never been anyone like this man before. The way he speaks. And listen, I think this is amazing because what do we read in Revelation? What's about the Antichrist? He'll, have, he'll be able to speak great things. And here it's noted about Jesus Christ. There, there's never been a person who spoke like Christ. Uh, I want you to see that what is going to be the calling card of the Antichrist is not new. I honestly believe as we study the antichrist that he'll be a great orator he'll have eloquent speech he'll be able to uh, convince multitudes and great people through his speech and persuade them and things that's my personal um uh, thought concerning scriptures but the fact is this listen don't forget it what the antichrist will boast my friend he is just a bad copycat and a counterfeiter see when jesus christ came along they said whoa we've never heard anybody like this before now, the sad reality, and this will be one of the things throughout the whole message this morning, is this. The world has forgotten Jesus Christ. They have forgotten who came on this earth. And boy, he is the Christ. And that's why the Antichrist is going to make such a big thing. Because the reality is this. People could see, if they know Jesus Christ, like you and I, will see the Antichrist and will say this. We've seen that before and we've seen much better. His name is Jesus Christ. 
I don't want to follow him. I don't need to follow him. He uh, has nothing to offer us because the one true Messiah has already arrived. The Savior has come. But to a lost and darkened world, to those who don't know the one true Savior, uh, this is going to look pretty good in their mind and eye. It's going to be convincing and persuasive if we might describe it that way. See, this chapter is full of this description as Christ being something and someone never seen before. Look with me at verse 26, if you will. Verse 26, notice it. Great statement. This is the people speaking. But lo, he speaketh, speaking of Christ, he speaketh boldly. And they say nothing unto him. That's the, the chief priest and the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious rulers. They say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Man, what a statement. The people are questioning, wait a minute, this is Christ. He's speaking boldly in the temple of himself, being God, and, and this way of salvation that, wait, that goes against what these Jews, these high priests have been teaching us, and yet they say they want to take him. They're not laying hold on him. Is that because they really know that he is the Christ? My goodness, I, there wasn't anybody that came along that they said that about before. Uh, is it possible? Look at verse number 40, verse 41. Many of the people, therefore, whom they heard this saying, said, of a truth, this is the prophet. Verse 41. Others said, this is the Christ. Notice that, hey, capital P prophet, man, this is with the idea of Elijah coming back or another great prophet. Or some of them said, no, no, this is the anointed one, the, uh, the appointed redeemer and deliverer, the one sent to deliver Israel and, and provide the kingdom. What are they saying in all of this? Well, he's the one sent by God. Note it, he is someone that we've never seen the likes of before. He is someone we've never even seen the likes of. Pharisees and chiefs were greatly concerned. Chief priests, excuse me. The Pharisees and chief priests were greatly concerned. They're, they're troubled over him. In verse 32, you know what they do? Those officers we read about in verse 26, they say, hey guys, come here. You need to go. We want you to lay hold on him. We want you to go and arrest him and bring him to us because he's creating a tumult. He's teaching things contrary. They were troubled over him and they had saw what was happening among the people. Verse 43, and says, as we read verse 40 and 41, and there is a great division among the people. Some prophets, some Christ saying, some say, no, he's, he's nothing, and uh, uh, a counterfeit, a, a traitor, whatever the case may be. And that was going on, and uh, yet the Bible says there in verse 43, none laid hold on him. Now listen, in verse 45, here's what happens. The officers come back to the, the Pharisees and the chief priests, and they sit down, and they come back empty-handed, okay? Now, you ever go into school, school starts? here and you don't have your homework ready uh, you, you haven't done the assignment here's these officers they come back and the pharisees they walk in there's no christ with them and the uh, the pharisees the chief priests look and say whoa, whoa why have you not brought him what's your excuse what's going on why why in the world is he not with you we sent you to go get him and those officers have just come back from hearing the people talk some saying he's the prophet he is the christ and there's a great division among the people because here's what happened listen they've never seen anything like it before they don't know what to make of him they don't know what to make of this christ this jesus christ of uh, uh, born in bethlehem of, uh, they don't know what to make of him 
And these officers come before uh, these Pharisees, these chief priests. And you know what they say is what we read in verse 46. They simply say this. Never man spake like this man. We've never seen anything like him. And boy, the Pharisees and the high priest get so worked up. What, what do you mean? Hey, listen, have we said that he's, he, what he teaches is right? Have we agreed with him? Have we uh, exalted him and pointed to him? Man, they feel a threat because no one's ever seen anything like this. We, uh, the officers, the soldiers, we, we just haven't seen anything like him before. Why? Why would they return such a statement? May I just remind you and I this morning of some of the things that make Jesus Christ unique. And may I say this, the Antichrist is coming, but he will never be like Jesus Christ. He will try to be a counterfeit. He will be a fake through and through. And to some who don't know Jesus Christ, he will be somewhat of a convincing counterfeit. But my friend, for you and I as believers, and if you're here today and you've yet to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there is but one Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one you must put your faith and trust in. And Christian, you know what reality is? The Bible even alludes to, man, if they could, at the end of the age, the devil, the beast, the false prophet, they would convince even some of the elect persuade them away from Christ. So it's going to be appealing and, and persuasive, but my friend, you and I have to hold on to who Jesus Christ was. We have to continually remind ourselves there is nobody like Jesus Christ, and boy, if it ever comes down to a choice, every single time I'm choosing Jesus Christ. I'm lining up with him. I'm following him. What made Jesus Christ so special? What made people who didn't even believe in him said, man, listen, I, I'm, I'm here to arrest you, but boy, there is nobody who's ever walked this earth like you. What was that? Well, there's obviously many things we could point to, but may I just share four things with you, okay? Number one, first of all, here's a simple truth. Jesus Christ demonstrated authority. Jesus Christ demonstrated authority. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7 and Maybe a familiar verse for you and I, and certainly we've seen it before in messages, but Matthew chapter 7, and let's remind ourselves what was said of Jesus Christ by common people. Again, not necessarily people who, who believed in him, but those who heard him, watched him, saw what he did. Matthew chapter 7, verse 29, notice the description they give us of Jesus Christ. Verse 29, Matthew chapter 7. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. See, his teaching, his speaking were unmatched by the leaders of the day. The rabbis, the high priests, the, all the priests, the political leaders of that day. It was clear to all that heard him. This man, and they even question, can you call him that? He, he must be from God. He must be a prophet. He, he, maybe he's the Christ, the Messiah. He was totally different. And, man, I just put it this way. When Christ walked on the, man, you, you knew he exuded authority. And in other words, it just flowed out from him. It, it, it was just there. Boy, Christ came on the scene. Hey, did you hear Jesus Christ is coming to our town today? He's going to be out there in the wilderness, in the desert area. Let's go to him. Let's hear him. Man, there's never been anybody like him. Aren't you grateful that we serve such a great Savior? Man, what a Savior. People who didn't trust in him at that point say, man, he speaks as somebody with authority. He has authority. When he speaks, man, you, you listen. I, I joke for those of us who are much older, you know, when E.F. Hutton speaks. 
an old commercial that spoke about that or statement, right? But man, when Christ speaks, everybody just says, whoa. He speaks with authority. And catch the point of the verse. His words and the way he spoke pointed to him having authority. It just came across. You just listen to it for a moment. He's speaking like he knows what he's talking about. And he does because Jesus Christ is God. He knows. He speaks as one having authority. And yet, beyond that, his authority was enforced. His word held great power. Why? Because they were proven with many great signs as he demonstrated his authority. You know how he demonstrated his authority? How he showed it to people? He showed it over sin and sickness, over disease and death, over demons and danger, and over winds and waves. My friend, nature bowed to his words and way, and the supernatural did his beckoning. This is a Savior with authority. This is God himself. We've never seen anyone like him before. Oh, we know of Moses, and we know of Abraham, and we know of King David, and these are great men of the Jewish religion and heritage. But friend, listen, there's never been anyone like Jesus Christ, and there never will be. There never will be. No one will speak with the authority that Jesus Christ does and did. Because no one is God but him. My friend, the Antichrist will do much. We will watch as this plays out, Revelation does, but nothing we will see will ever come close to what Christ did, the authority he showed over all creation. And my friend, the world might forget, but let's not let you and I forget. He demonstrated authority. Number two, may I remind you and submit to you this morning, he displayed great power. He displayed great power. Paul, or excuse me, John starts out his gospel speaking of the power that Christ had long before he walked on this earth. In John chapter 1 and verse 3, remember it says this, all things were made by him, Jesus Christ, the word. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. He was powerful in creation. And as he, as we just talked about, as he demonstrated his authority, Note that often in the same instance, he displayed his power. If we could just give a quick synopsis of some of the things Jesus Christ did, he, he cast out demons. He stopped a raging storm in its track and caused it to vanish with but a word. I don't know about you, but I sure would like to change the weather with a word, wouldn't you? He did that. I mean, literally, with a word. Peace be still. Boom. Storm's gone, and the winds and the waves cease, and a stormy, wavy lake goes completely flat, flat, peaceful, calm, as it's ever been. What did the disciples think? We've never seen anything like this before. Totally unique. No one has ever come close or will ever come close. A woman sick with the disease for many, many years, likely decades, sees the disease eradicated, not with drugs or medicine or by doctors or with modern positive thinking. No, none of that, but by the simple command of a powerful Savior. Could you imagine today, may I ask you this, what, what ails you this morning? 
What did you wake up and which part of your body ate? What did you have to take pills for, pills for today? What doctor's appointment did you have last week or you have this week or in the next few weeks? What is it that ails you physically? Could you imagine living with a devastating disease, something that would just uh, ruin your world? You think of the leper. You think of all these who are crippled and so forth. And the reality is this. In the moment, in a single moment of time, this man, this Savior, this Messiah, the Christ, stepped into your life and with one word or a touch of a hand, it was done gone away with that disease that sickness you think of the leper that is cured of the disease that ruined his life literally making him the walking dead separated from family and friends and all that he knew and jesus christ in just one instance powerfully spoke and he was healed Several times over, not just one, but dozens, maybe tens of dozens, maybe maybe hundreds, maybe thousands. We really don't know the full extent of it, but he's powerful. And then with a spoken word, what did Jesus Christ do? He stole back Lazarus from the stingy grasp of death. Lazarus, come forth. Such a powerful, powerful Savior. And then when he, went, he went on to utter the greatest words that we could ever imagine there on the cross. A statement that will forever thrill our hearts. It is finished. When Jesus Christ made that statement, those words were uttered. The greatest, most powerful display of Christ was complete. He had powerfully redeemed those who trusted in him. He had paid the penalty of our sin, my sin, and your sin, of every human being that would ever draw breath. Jesus Christ paid for those sins. Powerfully redeeming. No one else could do it, but Jesus Christ could. And he powerfully did. And yet this great display of his power didn't stop there. Turn with me, Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. May I just submit to you this morning, my friend, it is good for you and I to come into the house of God and turn our attention on the Son of God. To be reminded of, there's been no one ever like him before. Matthew chapter 27. Look with me at verse 54, if you will. Matthew 27, verse 54. We come at the end after Christ has already uttered those words. Verse 50, he's yielded up the ghost. Verse 54, now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. One of the great statements. Think of it. Picture it with me. Here's the centurion. The ground is shaking, and he's like, what in the world? The darkness has just covered the sky, and boy, things have happened. Word, report comes from town. You won't believe this, sir. We just saw people who were dead walking the streets. Could you imagine what, what, what your boss would say to you if you said that to them? Centurion to the soldiers that are reporting, hey, you won't believe. What are you talking about? This centurion takes it all in, these powerful events. Now listen to me. And he looks, because you know what? He realizes these aren't coincidences. These just aren't happenstance, things that just happen. No, no, no. This is tied to him. And he is a powerful God. 
There's no one who's ever walked this earth like him. A centurion, a Roman soldier that, in his mind, he goes, man, I've been a lot of places. With this empire, I've gone and traveled, and I've been in different locations and locales, but I have never seen this. Truly, this was the Son of God. This is the one promise. There's going to be no one like him. There never will. There never has. He is the Son of God. He was just simply saying the powerful display proves it. In all my years of serving the Roman Empire, I've never seen anything or anyone like him. May I just simply tell you, as much as he will try, the Antichrist will never rival Jesus Christ in the power he displayed. So how do we, what do we know Jesus Christ is so special? So, number one, boy, he demonstrated authority. Number two, he displayed power that is unrivaled, unrivaled. Number three, thirdly, he disseminated truth sublimely and simply. He disseminated truth sublimely and simply. I like the word disseminated. You say, what in the world does that mean? It just means to scatter, okay? It's like what you and I have done with seed before. If you've ever planted grass and things like that, it's disseminated. You just scatter it. You spread it. That's what the word or the terminology disseminate means, to disseminate. So he did it sublimely and simply. It still amazes me that people gathered and crowded in around him to hear him speak. Why? Don't miss it. He sublimely spoke of the one true God, of heaven and hell. He spoke of righteousness and holiness. Now remember, tie this together because he spoke as one having authority. So when he spoke of heaven, I just imagine in the crowds there gathered around Christ at different times, someone looked at their neighbors and said, man, it sounds like he's almost been there. Man, it sounds like he knows, man, he knows all about, like he was maybe, he created it. It sounds like he knows what righteousness and holiness is all about. I mean, that's literally what they're listening, like, wow. He knows what he's talking about, and he makes it sound so beautiful, heaven. He makes hell sound so terrible and, and wanting to avoid it. He speaks of righteousness and holiness, judgment and justice, charity and kindness. And I just imagine somebody saying, man, when he talks about love, his face just lights up. Like he really knows what love, what love is. He spoke of forgiveness and humility. He spoke of loving one's neighbor and loving one's enemy. He spoke of loving God himself with all of one's heart. He spoke of eternal life and abundant life and everlasting life. And he spoke in such a way we, we just wanted to hear more. Just want to soak it in. It was simplistic and yet it was sublime. We've never heard anyone talk like that before. As if he'd been there. As if he wrote the book on it. As if he created it. See, the people would follow him for days on end to hear the prophecies of the times to come, to hear of the future fulfillment of God's promises to Israel, of how they and you and I were to practically live as the children of God. You know what was great about Christ? In simplicity, he opened up their understanding as he does you and I today through the Scriptures. 
I love what the Luke chapter 24, verse 45 says as he was speaking with the, t- with the disciples. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That is a great picture of what he's done with everybody. You know what he, how he did that? How did he open up his standing? He wasn't referring to a mystical reality. You know what happens? The very next verse, and he spoke to them. He did it through speaking elaborating, teaching, and I mean, I just put it this way. He, he did it all simply. He was the master teacher. He made heavenly subjects plain through the use of parables so that people could easily and readily relate those to themselves and how they lived. When I put it this way, he, he spoke of things they needed to know in terms and ways they already knew. He connected the unknown to the known. He was the master teacher. He understood that if I can take them from what they know and display it and represent it in things that, that they know, the, take the unknown and make it clear and obvious. We think of the things he spoke of. Sowing, seed, reaping the harvest, losing things in your house. Losing things in a field. He spoke of birds and flowers. He spoke of water and bread. He spoke of hunger and thirst, of building and tearing down. He spoke of vineyards. And the people hung on every word. Why? Well, yes, because he had the words of life. But it was because he made them clear and understandable. He presented it simply and he spoke of spiritual things in a wonderfully sublime way. You see, friend, we noted a few moments ago in Revelation what is spoken about the Antichrist is that he will speak great things. But my friend, it will never compare to how Jesus Christ spoke. He will be nothing like Christ, though he wants to be, though he presents himself as, no one will ever speak the truth like Christ did. He stands alone. We've never seen anyone like him before. My friend, I want to show you this morning one last thing. You see, he displayed great power. He demonstrated great authority. He disseminated truth sublimely and simply. And number four, and I like this, it shows a little bit of Christ in his love for you and I. Fourthly, we put it this way, he descended tenderly. He made himself of no reputation, Paul would later write. And I'll just submit to you, I don't believe the Antichrist will be this. I believe the Antichrist will be power hungry. I believe the Antichrist will step on anybody he needs to to gain authority, gain power, whatever the case may be. I I think, as we know, he'll turn his back on the Jews after he lies to them and betrays them. We understand that about the Antichrist. He is not somebody that you would think of, oh, there's a tender person. No, he's going to be harsh. He's going to try to kill all the saved who who don't accept the mark of the beast and so forth. He he is going to be a harsh person harsh man he will feign kindness he will fake it but that is not who he truly was but when we think of jesus christ as he walked this earth oh friend he was not unapproachable he was quite the opposite matthew chapter 14 and verse 14 says this and jesus went forth he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick 
Now, great reality of this word, the, the, the Greek word translated as compassion here is kin. It's, it's right there formed from the same root word as the word in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be kind one to another. What's the next word? Tenderhearted. Literally, there is a, there's a definition of the word tenderhearted that says like double compassion or something. It's quite interesting. But these are related words. And so when we think of Jesus Christ, we read him as the word to man. He had compassion upon the multitude. It's literally saying he was tenderhearted towards the multitude. He's a tenderhearted Savior. He was a man, the one true God. And I don't think it can be displayed any better than this. He, he looked at children, and he called them to him. The disciples got in the way, you remember? And Jesus Christ did what? Rebuked them. Suffered the little children to come in. Hey, Jesus Christ, you're, you're the Messiah. You are the anointed one, the Christ. You have greater things to do. You have to save the entire world. You have greater things to do than to deal with children. Snot, nose, snot, flinging little guys. You have greater things than no, Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. Suffer the little children to come in, for such is the kingdom of God. Suffer them to come. Tender-hearted towards children. And it wasn't just children. He was followed by a great multitude, his disciples and others. He was teaching them along the way. They come to the, the city of Nain. And as they're doing so, here comes a widow who is in the part of a funeral. They're carrying her only son who has died. And Jesus Christ shows compassion, is tender-hearted to a widow. He's, t- he's touched. I'm sorry. I just don't see the Antichrist being like that. But I know my Savior is. He's as tender-hearted as they come. He is compassionate towards all. The list is exhaustive. Here's a Savior that reached out to the most despised among the Jews, the tax collectors. Matthew and Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man. He reached out to them. Oh, and there's, there's Thomas. Fine, Thomas. You don't believe? Go away. That's not what Christ said. Thomas, come. Touch the holes in my hands, my side. Tenderhearted. Even to the doubter. And may we just say, Judas? The traitor, the one who was treacherous of heart. May I tell you, we don't read of one instance where Jesus Christ was unkind, mean to Judas. Tender hearted. <sighs> Forgive me, again, my, my supposition or my uh, summarization. I, I think the Antichrist would just as soon stick a knife in your back. If he thought for a second you're going to betray him. Not our Savior. He found a tender-hearted leader in spite of his treacherous heart. And then we could go on and speak of the fallen men and women. The, those of ill repute. They're despised by all others. The beggars, the lepers, the cripples, the outcasts. All those who were discarded by mankind. What do they find? Oh, they, they find a man, a Savior who tenderly cared. Who tenderly responded. And interacted with them. I, I love Jesus Christ and how he broke the molds. <laughs> Jewish leaders and rabbis would have nothing to do with the lepers. You know what Jesus Christ did? He went up to a leper and talked to him. And at one time, he even touched them to heal them. You talk about taboo. 
what causes someone to do that? My friend, I'd have to submit to you that I think you have to have a tender heart. You have to have compassion. You have to look at someone and say, I care for you. You're welcome. Come. The lad was not afraid to give his lunch to such a tender teacher. Nicodemus was not afraid to come by night to meet such a tender-hearted rabbi. Jesus willingly came and pleaded, or excuse me, Jairus willingly came and pleaded for his dying daughter to a tender master. People came to see Jesus Christ because he was the, what the leaders of their day was not and what the Antichrist will not be. He is tender and he is welcoming. And may I just submit to you, friend, as we bring this message to a close, listen carefully. It has not changed. Jesus Christ, even today, is tender and welcoming. What did Jesus Christ say in those days? What did he say to those people that he still says today? Listen, it's simple. Come unto me. All of you. Come unto me. I loved one of the statements of Jesus Christ. He looked at the multitude one time, and again, another instance, his heart was moved with compassion. Remember what it said? They were as sheep without a shepherd. Just tenderhearted. Come unto me. Follow me. And I'll tell you, my friend, you'll never, never regret it. And our understanding, as we've just consumed a few portions of Scripture, reminded ourselves of who Christ is today, all that Christ did. You know what one thing is we have to admit? Oh, yes, certainly he's someone we've never seen the likes of before. But beyond that, you know what else we have to admit? We haven't even, listen, seen the half of it. We don't even know the half of it. I love how John ends his book, don't you? John chapter 25, and, or chapter 21, verse 25 says this, and there are many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that could be written. And all John says is, amen. So be it. Let it be. Listen, I'm telling you, the day's coming. The day is coming when the entire world and all of humanity realize that Antichrist can't even hold a candle to Jesus Christ. There's no one, no one, no one like Jesus Christ. But until that day and before that day comes, I will remind you, the Antichrist is going to rise up. There will be some. There will be many that put their trust in the Antichrist. There will be many who have faith in him, but it will prove to be a faulty trust, an empty, worthless faith, uh, a faith that will lead them to join him in hell for all of eternity. Eventually the lake of fire. But this morning, friend, may I tell you, if you choose to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, if you look to him and what he did on the cross of Calvary for you, you, if you will trust in him today and you realize there's nobody like him, the Bible says, Jesus Christ is that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you will realize and say, wait a minute, I don't know what the Antichrist is, but he's not going to be like him. He will not be able to do what Jesus Christ did in showing his power by redeeming me. My friend, if you will trust in Jesus Christ today, can I tell you, you will never regret it. You'll never regret it. That's who Jesus Christ is.
The day will come, and I trust you and I won't be here because we'll be raptured, but the day is coming where the world will build up the Antichrist like he is the end all. My friend, I'll tell you, the Savior's already come. Trust him. Put your faith in him. See, to trust in him, to believe on him as your Savior, immediately in that faith, Jesus Christ says, you're saved. You're part of the family of God. You're a citizen of heaven. He paid the price, the penalty for your sins and mine, so that you and I don't have to in hell in the lake of fire for all of eternity. Trust him today before it's too late. In just a moment, we'll give an invitation. If you say, Pastor Henry, I'm just not sure I'm saved. I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Would you just quietly slip out in that invitation in just a few moments? If you're a man, a man will take you. If you're a lady, a lady will take you. They'll take you to a side room. They'll show you from the scriptures how you can know that you're saved. That Jesus Christ is your Savior. That heaven is your eternal home. And establish a relationship with God. Having peace with him through what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Believer, this morning, say, Pastor, what's your desire as we leave this place, as we think about lunch and move on? Could I just encourage you to be encouraged? Be reminded of who Jesus Christ is. Be proud. And I'm thankful today that I can say Jesus Christ is my Savior. Speaks with authority. He has power. He speaks simply sublimely the truth and i am thankful that i serve a tender savior died on the cross for me we'll sing in a moment as our closing hymn after our invitation we'll sing what a savior what a savior and he is Rejoice in him today, won't you, Christian? Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for your blessings, the truth of your word. And Father, we are so much more thankful for Jesus Christ. All that he did when he walked here on earth, all the things that he performed, the power he showed, the authority he spoke with, the the truth that he shed abroad and scattered. Lord, I'm grateful for who Christ is. And Lord, I don't want any other savior than Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that there will be some here today who have yet to trust in Christ. They do it. They get it settled. They'd realize that there is but one way to heaven. There is but one way to be reconciled and have peace with you, Father. And it is through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. May today be their day of salvation. And then, Father, I pray that you'd be with some Christians here today. Lord, maybe they've been a little concerned. Maybe they've been a little apprehensive about the future and things going on. And, and Lord, maybe we, we read in Revelation, we get a little worried about what the Antichrist and the devil and the false prophet are going to do. Lord, may we just be reminded that our Savior is more powerful than them all. He is, he is victorious. And Father, he knows me by name. Grateful for it. Bless now in this invitation. May we draw closer to you as we make careful application of your word. Lord, I do pray, though, you'd be with the one who's unsaved. May they get it settled today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I ask you to join me in standing all around the auditorium. Heads bowed and eyes closed.